In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's just like the man said, it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, here to talk about all the musings of your Cleveland Browns. Daryl, how are you? How's life treating you? Uh, life is good, and uh, it got even better for Browns fans over the weekend, didn't it? I am shocked at how easy that deal was, I think, and the fact that the Browns were able to bring in uh, Zadarius Smith. What are the details behind the deal, Daryl? Yeah, basically, uh, it, it, very, very clean deal. Uh, they Andrew Barry gave up nothing to get him. That's what I think I'm so shocked by, Andy, is the fact that the Browns gave up nothing. So they get Zadarius Smith, they get a 2025 sixth and seventh round pick, Meanwhile, the Browns give back um, fifth round picks in 2024 and 2025. So, like, they, they, they came up nothing. Like, I just I can't believe um, how clean, how easy uh, that trade was uh, for Barry to really pull off. Um, you know, uh, you get a, a six and a seven in 2025, and you give up a, a, a five and 24 and, and 25 like that's nothing right and then of course they restructured his deal so he's going to be paid a little better than Jadavian Clowney was paid um but yeah this guy's going to come in uh, basically in a prove it situation let's be honest about it it's going to be a prove it situation for him and he's going to be motivated and gives basically Miles Garrett that typical prolific uh opposite of him pass rusher let, let me I, I before we talk about him the player i want to dive into the deal because i don't think this happens if it's not quizio dofomensa like i think most teams would have waited for him to be cut because minnesota is in cap hell right now so i think that part of the deal happens is just because you know andrew barry and Mensa are so tight and that you know this relationship that we have with minnesota has been Pretty good. As long as we don't play them at all, that's it's. I have no problems with any of it, right? And if you're Minnesota, you're going to be looking at the Browns' defensive front, and what fifty percent of the Browns' defensive front will be from Minnesota last year. I just think I love the fact that the Browns essentially can look at this as a rental for a year. What's it cost them? Eleven million for the whole deal, or seven? I can't remember what the number was, Daryl. But it's 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 a little under twelve million. It's a little under 11. Oh, yeah. So, 12. or around 11. So, um, I, I just, I think it's a great deal. And I think this is one of those things that when we look back at the end of the season and they'd be like, as long as he's healthy and he can contribute and he can tackle on the run and he can put pressure on the quarterback, this is uh, just a gigantic, uh, ooh, I think for the Browns front office, if he can live up to his Pro Bowl days. That's the other thing, you know? Yes, he's on the other side of 30, which I kind of like because it means the Browns are willing to go outside of their comfort zone on a one-year rental and bring him in. So um, I think that they've done a nice job. And look, with even with Jadavion Clowney, they've tried to do everything they can to make sure that they have an outstanding player on the other side. And I think they did it again. I think it's a home run. Yeah, it's it's clean. It's easy. Um Again, gave up nothing to get him. Uh, One-year deal. And it's similar to Clowney in so many respects, right? I mean, it's he's here one year, uh, just under $12 million they're going to pay him. 
if he plays well, they have the option to re-sign him next March, right? And and if he plays to a point to where he has reset his own market value and is able to go out in free agency and get a three, four, five-year deal, right? That, that's okay too, because the Browns got out of him what they wanted for that one season. And the other thing to kind of keep in mind that I think is important for folks to remember, Andy, is the depth. Um, a, a lot of the young kids that might have played, like, first of all, let's, let's start with Obadiah Okoronko, right? He was slated to be their starter, and now he is the third defensive end. He becomes the rotational guy, and guys like Isaiah Thomas and, and um, Alex uh, Smith, he, they get pushed back down the depth chart here a little bit, and they're not going to have to be counted on to play significant snaps, right? Um, and, and so I think that that's an important aspect of this when you look at the Browns' depth and what Smith is going to allow them to do. It's going to allow them to basically go ahead and reset the way they think about their depth chart. Well, I, I mean, it looks the, – the only real question is what? Left tackle. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, left tackle because Garrett's at the end. Jordan Elliott's there, and then you've got Delvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith. So when you look at those four spots, Elliott's, I think, is really the only one that's up for grabs. I don't know who you might put in that spot, and I also wonder where Perry and Winfrey is. You know what I'm saying? Does that mm. – I, I mean, I, I, that's I, – I think three out of the four feel real good, don't they? I, I don't think you're I'm counting on Perry and Winfrey at all. No, um, I'm not. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm ready to let yeah. – I, I mean, I'm yeah, not expecting him to be on the roster. Yeah, too many maturity issues for me. But um, so your defensive yeah, uh, end. How, but for the front Miles? office, though, Daryl, not for you. What do you think the front office is? Because you know as well as I do that they don't want to give up on one of their own draft picks, the, although he has done some uh, silly things. So uh, at defensive end, it's going to be, as we talk about, Miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith. And then it's going to be uh, Obanai Okoronkwo, Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Isaiah McGuire, their fourth round pick, right? A right. defensive tackle, uh, to me, it's going to be uh, Dalvin uh, Tomlinson. Jordan Elliott is your starters. And right. then Siaki Ika, Perry and Winfrey, Tommy Togiai, and go, you know, like just kind of go work, work from there. Um, I, I just, I, I think that they're going to be in pretty good shape in that. Uh, you know, in that front, it's, it's the trade changed uh, the calculus of what I felt was their potential when it comes to getting after the quarterback sacks, things like that. I am expecting them fair or not. I'm expecting at minimum, right? 25 sacks combined out of miles Garrett and Zedaria Smith, 25 sacks or more out of those two guys, maybe 26, 27, 28 combined. But to me, the bare minimum, the baseline there, 25 sacks out of those guys. I think, I think that's, that's a fair, um, I think that's a, a, a fair expectation. So what, I mean, what are you looking for a grand total? I, you're saying 25 sacks out of them. And then I don't know, what are you hoping for another Another maybe maybe another no 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 maybe another ten combined 
So that gets you to 35 sacks on the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that means you've done a lot of damage. Look, that's almost two, that's two sacks a game, Andy. Right. Yeah. I'm just going back and looking at the stats, stacks, stats of sacks for last year. And um, I mean, that still seems low 30, 35, 36. Yeah. Panthers at 35 Broncos at 36 Cardinals at 36 Minnesota at 38. You know, I'm just looking at the teams that made the playoffs and those teams uh, for the most part, when you look at the high, th- I mean, if you can get into the, uh, let's be realistic, Kansas city, New England are probably and Dallas are within the means of, of where you want to jump because Philadelphia had such an amazing year last year. I mean, they had 15 more sacks than Kansas city who was second. So an equation well, that yeah, yeah. what's going to get you into the playoffs, right? As, so, so the Browns gave up 44 sacks last year. They had 34 sacks defensively. So now let me re, let me recalculate that. I think you'd be around 38. It should be a, a sack increase of four. And that, they should be able to get that, at least four more def, sacks. And that defensively gets you in the conversation about making the playoffs. Right. A- absolutely. But, so, yeah. So, so, so now that I look year. at, yeah, now that I look at those numbers, Andy, uh-huh. uh, I, I can, I can reset that. I think around 38, 39 sacks is very doable for them now. And that uh, puts you, especially with what Jim Schwartz is asking of these guys. I think that puts you in the conversation with one of the better defensive fronts, which again, should help get you into the postseason. All right. Well, let's, let's dig into this a little bit farther because what is the value of this move? And it's almost like a redo of the schedule game. So let's talk about that next, Daryl. It's always game day in Cleveland. Listen up, people. Mobile sports betting is finally live in Ohio. We want to help prevent you from making bad bets in order to win big. We need you to download the BetQL app today and instantly get their models, best bets, live public information, sharp data, trends, and much more right at your fingertips. Use code OH25 for 25% off your first month. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. We're talking about the impact now of Zadarius Smith on the Browns roster. So, um, Daryl, I know you kind of wanted to touch on this for a second, and we'll get to rookie minicamp uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But let's talk about the impact that Smith could have. Because immediately once they got him, I thought it was funny. You texted me you're like, oh, maybe we should have done the schedule game one day later. And I do think he's worth one win uh, for this team. If he can play at that all-pro level that he is, if not him – the fact that he'll have the ability to maybe do a little bit more than Jadavian Clowney did and give Miles Garrett the, the extra oomph that he needs to come from the other side to make things happen. So I'm willing alone on this move to say that the Browns could get one more win than a lot of us thought that takes you to 11 and six. How do you see it? Uh, I, I, I see it exactly the same way. I think that they now will go two and two to start the season instead of one and three, and that gets them to 11 and six. And I don't know that that wins the division. I, I, I still feel like Baltimore and Cincinnati are probably going to win the division. But I think for the first time since 1989, the Browns will finish in front of the Steelers in the standings. I think the Browns will be the third place team in the division, the second or third place team in the division. The Steelers are going to finish in last place, but the Steelers are probably going to be 500. You know what I'm saying? Like the Steelers are not going to be a bad football team. Um, Mike Tomlin just always finds a way to squeeze blood from a rock down there in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Like, I think it's really freaky how you and I seem to be on the same page about where this team is it's and, very weird. And, where, 
and, and what they're going to, or what their potential, I should say, uh, is going to be for the upcoming season. But yeah, I, I feel like adding him is good enough for an extra win. And that gets them to 11 and six. And um, they're still going to have to play on wild card weekend though. <laughs> they're not, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know that the, you know, because look, they, um, when I look at their schedule, there's, I even have like the 49ers, even though I have them winning that game, Andy, like that's going to be a tough football game for them. Uh, Tennessee, I have them beating the Titans, but Mike Vrabel, like that's going to be a tough football game. Um, even though I don't think the Titans are going to be as good as they've been in years past, Mike Vrabel is going to have his team playing hard. So, I mean, I've got them winning a couple of games that I think are going to be tough. I think the Broncos are going to be better than they were a year ago with Russell Wilson, but I think that that's a game that the Browns ultimately uh, are going to win. Uh, Jacksonville, I think it, it should be a little better than they were a year ago, and they're going to be in playoff contention, but I've got the Browns beating the Jaguars at home. So yeah, I, I think 11 and six is about where this football team is. And when I look at like the state of the roster, I know we talked about in the last segment a little bit as we kind of broke down some of the defense, like it's hard for me uh, I was uh, my good friend, Kenny Rota, who I used to work with uh, years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I was on his show Monday afternoon. Uh, he's on down in uh, the Hall of Fame city down in Canton. And he mm -hmm. asked me, you know, hey, where is an area that the Browns are weak? Like, where did Andrew Barry uh, not do enough? Can I and guess? Can I guess? Sure. Linebacker. Is that what you're going to say? That's that's what I mentioned. But All right. But here's the thing is, you know. JOK coming off injury, mm -hmm. Anthony Walker coming off injury, Sione Takitaki coming off injury. So I am a little concerned about that, that those guys are all coming off injury. But those are good players, right? They are good players. And what I explained to him is that when, I, when you look at Jim Schwartz's defense and his philosophy, right, his mm -hmm. philosophy with that wide nine scheme that he likes to play, defensive guys get pressure. We're not on their own. We're not blitzing. The defensive linemen, the defensive ends get after the quarterback without additional help. They win their one-on-ones. The other thing that Jim Schwartz does, they don't play the cover two and the cover three and things like that. He plays man-to-man. -man. He wants his corners to win their one-on-ones and compete, right? So right. What, was, what was one of the big problems that the Browns had last year in the secondary? Communication. It was, oh, hey, yeah. you, if, if this happens, I do this, you do that, right? There's just too much, too many thinking processes in Joe Wood's defense. Jim Schwartz, I don't want to say takes those out, don't misunderstand me, but he minimizes that. He takes some of that guesswork out of it, right? So the guys can just react. And so um, when I, I look at that philosophically, where are the Browns the strongest? Now they're strongest up front. They're strongest in the secondary. So I don't want to sound like linebacker doesn't matter, but it's not as critical defensively to Jim Schwartz's scheme as the defensive tackles, the edge rushers, and the corners and safeties. So that's why I think the Browns are going to be okay. So I just want to put a little perspective on what we were talking about, about you know the schedule game and the wins and what they actually mean. And you know I make fun of the schedule game just because I think it's goofy because we already know the teams that are coming out and all they do is put things in place. And I do understand that people need it for planning purposes, but put this in perspective. If you don't say 10 wins, you're saying your team has no chance to win the AFC North. In fact, you have to go back 33 years, Daryl, to find a team 
uh, in the AFC North or the AFC Central that made it to the playoffs and won the division with less than 10 games. And in 1990, Cincinnati uh, was 9-7, and seven and they made it. And I do think it's super interesting that you look back over the 17-game schedules now, just over the last two years, that 10 and 12 are what get you in. So <laughs> Cincinnati in 21 ends up going to the Super Bowl with only 10 wins during the regular season. Then they bounce back last year and have 12 wins, and so they win the AFC North. But when you also look back at these two 17-game schedules, Pittsburgh got in at 9-7-1, and and Baltimore got in at 10-7. and So I, yeah. I think that when you say 10 wins, you are saying playoffs. Yeah, and that's, you know, uh, I, I had said 10-7 and is where I thought they were going to finish, and I gave them the seventh seed in the AFC in a wild card. But uh, with uh, – Zedarius in the mix now. I'm giving them an extra win, bumping them up to 11 and six, and they will not be the seventh seed. At least my expectation uh, for the upcoming season. I think that you know they will probably be uh, maybe the fifth seed, right? Or uh, I, I, I think that they could. You're be saying the fifth they could seed. be the best team outside of the division winners. Correct. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean the division winner is better than the Browns. No, because I mean, look. Uh, last year uh uh I'm, I'm having a brain cramp someone won it and they were like uh, well the afc south. Yeah. yeah the afc south was just or i'm sorry the nfc south i should say was like complete garbage last year um and and that's the problem with the afc north daryl that consistently i mean look at the wins 12 10 12 14 10 13 11 12 11 11 10 you got to go back to uh you know you've had Baltimore's won it twice with 10 wins between 2012 and now. And okay, Cincinnati so had 10 wins. I mean, it's hard. Tampa Bay to was win. eight and nine last year. Tampa Bay was eight and nine last year and won the, the NFC South. Uh, they beat, they, they edged up Carolina and uh, New Orleans and the Falcons. Uh, all three of those teams were seven and 10. So, like the, the NFC South was just complete hot garbage. The Buccaneers got in, uh, you know, and um, I just, I, <laughs> The AFC North certainly is not the NFC South. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, Tom Brady, and also, too, keep in mind, like, so, you know, Tom Brady left the Buccaneers. Drew Brees is no longer with the Saints. Falcons quarterback situations, uh, you know, Matt Ryan not there anymore. You know, so, like, three, and Cam Newton with the Panthers. So, like, all four quarterbacks in that division, there's, there's like, been a, a quarterback transition in that division. So, you know, no secret that the division went to hell. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that when you look at the AFC North, if Deshaun Watson plays up to expectation, right, and, it, and, and returns to being one of the top quarterbacks in the league, whether, whether it's – I'm going to say top 10. I, I think that that's fair. He should be a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League this coming season. If he does that, Andy, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what Kenny Pickett's going to give the Steelers, but Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson, that – that's a tough division when you're talking about quarterbacks. And let me, let me just add one more thing to how hard it is to win. Right. So the, I, if I'm doing my math correct here, there are only four teams in the history of the AFC North and AFC central that have had 10 wins and didn't make the playoffs. It's pretty amazing. In 75. Uh, and the, Cleveland, and the, and the yeah. Cleveland Browns were one of them. In 2007. That's right. <laughs> right. So the Houston Oilers were 10 and four in 75 the Bengals were 10 and 4 and 76 and they didn't make it 
And that's two. There's another one that didn't make it. Cincinnati again in 86, 110 games. I, I remember the Browns winning late in the season against the Bengals in 86 too to get there. So the Browns had won the Central at 12 and four. And Cincinnati was 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs. And then you flash forward to the Browns year where they had won, they went 10 and six, second in 2007. So I mean, you know what? It, it's interesting, Daryl, as we look at the Browns and how hard it is to win in the AFC North. And then you look at what the Guardians did or the Indians did to pop away from the old um, AL East, and they have benefited. It's almost like, man, if the Browns... It was the best thing that happened to them. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But for the Browns, it has just been murder because there are so many good teams in our division. And it's it's historic. It's not even... You go back to the beginning of the AFC Central in the 70s, and it's just it's it's been tough, super tough. Well, and when you look at... uh, uh, um trying to think um in the a in i'm trying to remember the 1999 um browns or the no things played out yeah the way things played out jacksonville won in in 99 they were so the old here we go i got i looked it up so the old afc yeah the old afc central was jacksonville tennessee Ravens, steelers Bengals, browns and then what they did was is when the Texans came into the league in 2002, that's when they did the, the realignment and created the North, South, East, and West uh, divisions. So, excuse me, Jacksonville and Tennessee, they, uh, they slid off to the, uh, the, the AFC South uh, with the Colts and the Texans, uh, and, and the Browns were left with their traditional rivals, the Steelers, the Bengals, and then, of course, the Baltimore Ravens, because that's, you know, the league wanted the Cleveland-Baltimore uh, rivalry and unfortunately that's not gone very well for Cleveland um, no. and they and, and the Ravens have a couple of Vince Lombardi's in the tri- in the trophy case on top of it so um yeah it's uh, this division uh has been tough on the Browns because you have seen uh the Ravens Steelers and Bengals year in and year out it's just it, it's astonishing me to me to me Aunt Andy that the Browns have not won a division since 1989 that still is a mind but the Houston Texans have won their division. The Jacksonville Jaguars have won their division. Carolina Panthers have won their division. The Cleveland Browns, 1989. And that was also the last year they were better than the Steelers in the division. It's been a long, long time. We are talking rookie minicamp next on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Let's talk Browns rookie minicamp as I'm waiting for the season to get here. I can't get here fast enough. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Daryl, give me the lowdown on Browns rookie minicamp. Uh, it felt like I was uh, watching a high school football practice, to be honest. Really? With you. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it, they had 28 guys there. Uh, you, you, not a lot of 11. You couldn't do it 11 on 11 because you didn't have enough dudes, right? Right. Um, but no, it, it, all, in all seriousness, it, it was kind of cool because, like, I, I was fascinated watching the coaches work with the, the rookies and, and the young players. Uh, that were there. They had the seven members of the rookie class. They signed five of those guys uh, on Friday. Uh, Cedric Tillman is among those, you, you know, first pick 74 overall. He's not been signed yet, but I'm, I don't think that that's going to be a problem uh, getting him signed. Um, but, you know, they, so they had the seven draft picks. They had like uh, nine undrafted rookie free agents and they had like another six tryout guys and they may keep, they may sign one or two. Uh, of those tryout guys, but 
it was just really cool to like watch the coaches actually coach like, you know, Bill Callahan's teaching Dewan Jones footwork and hand put, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, hand placement and stuff like that. You know, watching the, the, the D line coach, you know, teach getting through the bags and, and what angles to take and, and where to fight off the block. And it just, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the receivers coach teaching, you know, Tillman, like footwork, getting off the line of scrimmage, you know, you know, moves and stuff. So it was, it was real cool to watch those coaches work with the players on almost a one-on-one basis at times. I mean, they did, they did drills and things like that, but there was just a tremendous amount of hands-on coaching. So that that was a lot of fun to watch because that's something you don't see a lot of in the NFL. Let's be honest about it, right? When fan, when when fans were listening to this podcast, when you guys go to training camp, you don't see a lot of yeah, the, the position coaches will you know coach some things up here and there and that, but like you don't hear them walking guys through drills. Like, here's how we're going to do this drill. This is what I'm looking for from you. This is what no, I want to see. Because those aren't really, you. I mean, those are positional periods and not really individual periods, right? I mean, it's not yeah. They don't really have time, I don't think, especially when you're doing install of plays and you're just you're trying to make sure that everything's going right towards games. I mean, your focus is games for the most part, right? How are we getting ready for this next? And you don't ever see that. That's a great call, Daryl. Great call. Yeah. So it it was it was a lot of uh, fun to watch that. Um, And I'll be honest with you, not a lot to glean from rookie minicamp just because of that fact that, that, you know, um, you know. Yes, Tillman caught the footballs that were thrown to him. You know what I'm saying? But it's on air. No, de- no, no, no defense. Uh, um, you know, uh, the members of the draft class, I will say, they're, they're really hard to miss on the football field. They're big. Like, they are yeah. big. You, you, their size is noticeable. Um, and so, like, anybody gets sick, there's ago, always somebody that gets sick at these things. Welcome to the NFL sickness. It happens every I, time. Did you see anything? There, there was a welcome to the NFL moment for one of the draft picks on Friday. Yes. That happens every time. I mean, like you hear about that story a lot. And so and I think you haven't I'll, really made it until you've done that. Well, I'll say this too. Like, um, I think it's important for fans to understand that these guys are projects. Every single one of them picked, you know, from Cedric Tillman all the way to Luke Whipler. They are all projects. And the question is how, how fast will they be able to contribute on the field? You know what I'm saying? And I, and I don't have an answer for you. And I think that fans, I, I, I get it. Like every year the draft is the Super Bowl and stuff like that. But like we made a mistake last year. We totally made a mistake last year with, with like gassing up David Bell and expecting like he was going to be Jarvis Landry as a rookie and stuff like that. And yeah, but I don't, you know what though? They never really gave him the opportunity to be Jarvis Landry. I I I, I know that. And, and and but my point to you is this: these guys aren't getting that opportunity either. These guys gotcha. are going to be role players. That that's my whole point. Like I'm not saying that they're not good players or they won't be good players. I'm just trying to temper people's expectations of what they're going to see out of these guys and how much. Darryl, I bought a Bo, I bought a Bo Bell jersey, so I don't want to hear it, man. You what? I bought a Bo Bell jersey because I thought, you know, they drafted him. He was our first overall that year. Well, did you buy a Mohammed Massaqua or did you I did. Oh, did you buy a did you buy a William Gay jersey? Uh no, because I wasn't living here okay. at the time. Otherwise, I probably oh. would have. Um you Jim were Pine. Living here when William 
you were living here when William Gay was tearing it up in training camp in the preseason, weren't you? It must have been like one of my first years back. Okay. What year was that? I can't even remember. Do you remember? Oh God, that was it's Which, been a while, man. Oh, you know what? I, you know what the deal was? I don't think I was covering the Browns. I think I was covering the Buckeyes that year. I think oh, that okay. was like oh three, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's in that area. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, you got me looking too. Now you got me thinking. I'm, 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 I am looking it up right now. And by the way, I have all kinds of medicine coming up right now too. When you type in Ben Gay Browns, or you got to put the Browns in there. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, that's the. He's thing. 43 gotta... years old already. Yeah. His year was. I wasn't too far. Drafted in 01. So we had him in 01. That was after he played for the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah. Do you, I remember? I'm wearing the green and uh, yellow of the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh man. Yeah. No, I had just. Uh, yeah, because remember when they. Were- they released him in April of 2002, and like fans were going nuts. Shocked, not. So, especially with yeah. those teams. So, all right, Daryl. Anything else to report from Rookie Mini? Um, no. <laughs> like, and so, what's next? I, OTAs, right? Yeah, we. It, it, so, quiet week for the Browns. Uh, of course, Deshaun Watson got uh, some of the offensive guys uh, down in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Do we this like week. this or not? Do we like the fact he's taking those guys down there or not? Yeah. Sure. Why not? You know, free is my favorite four-letter F word. So, food's my second. You know the third. Um, but, yeah, I Foolish? think yeah, it's fine. Foolish? That's not a four-letter word. Um, Fool is, though. That is true. But that's not it. Right. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we can't say that on this podcast. Well, you actually, can say whatever you want. This isn't a podcast. I mean, it's a podcast. We're not over yeah. the air. But someone could technically, I could. Up. But I'm sure that it would violate some standard in practice. But You know uh, what? I should probably end the show before you get in trouble. I should you do are, that for you, Daryl. That is that is probably a good idea. Daryl, <laughs> no, we'll no, go ahead. It, it's it's good that they're down there. So, uh, and 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 Kevin Stefanski said it. Uh, Watson talked to Stefanski about the trip, and uh, you know said, "Hey, anytime the guys can get together and work on stuff, that that's good by me." And so, um, that's what they're going to do this week and have some fun too. So, uh, OTAs next week, though. We're going to have some fun next week. OTAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should make up a song. OTA no, song. Let's, let, no, let's not. All right. With that said, I say goodbye. Daryl, say goodbye. Bye. Oh, I'm sorry. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye is even better. It's always game day in Cleveland. Thank you, Meredith Kane, our producer. We'll be back again with another hit. Uh, this week, uh, I think we drop on Thursday. So uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. If you want to be a part of the podcast, all you need to do is hit us up on social media at Game Day CLE on Instagram or Twitter. It's always Game Day Cleveland.